I'm sure that happens to mom and dad when they see or witness something that sounds a little out of order. It's the enemy going up. Oh, is it going to come back? Because that's happened. Yeah, it's so true. That's happened to me too. That's really the only attack from the enemy from that darkness I went through that has occurred a few times each year throughout the last 10 years is the enemy trying to come into my head to go, what if it comes back? Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you having me on. Of course. I'm super excited to continue this family series as we bring on the parents and Danielle and eventually Ross. And you've just been super close to me throughout this whole last decade of not only working on stuff with business, but also seeing you go through that experience with me, which we're going to get into today. But I'd love to start with just learning a little bit about you for our audience who doesn't know you since they're probably seeing you for the first time, minus maybe a story or two here and there on social media. So why don't we start with just you telling us a little bit about what you do right now and we'll go from there. Yeah, appreciate that. So I'm Sean, Dane's brother. I've been more recently selling products D to C on Amazon. So I have an Amazon storefront, it's called Boundless Performance. We sell outdoor gear. Been doing that for about three years under a business called Balance Performance LLC. Uh, previous to that, uh, let's just do a quick little history recap. 2011, graduated high school, went to the military, spent three years in the Navy, got recruited to Naval Academy, played football, got injured, eventually left there, wasn't really for me. Fast forward to 2014, came back to Arizona. Naval Academy is in Annapolis, Maryland, by the way, so I went across the country, came back. Uh, then from 2014 to 2017, it was kind of just figuring my life out, doing some like odd jobs, went to Texas for work, went back to Maryland for work, eventually ended up back in Arizona. And then from 2017 till now, 2024, I got into e-commerce on Amazon and slowly built up at this point, two companies and uh, are currently still doing that now. Yeah. It's been so amazing to see you develop a skill around something like building a business on Amazon and how much it's provided for you in the form of being able to, let's say, not go the traditional college route because you left college. You were pursuing football at the time, which was amazing. You had that gifting in high school. We all played the brothers uh, in high school. But then to see you come back home and try to figure out what's next with your life. When you did get back, I knew you weren't going to go to college. What did you kind of think about what you wanted to do in regards of job or career? Yeah, honestly, my thoughts on that were very skewed because I came home with fresh out of the military, which I absolutely did not like, hated it, felt stuck. Dad wanted me to stay. I didn't. His his purpose was on my life, and I thought mm -hmm. that's what I had to do. Yeah. When I came home, I felt honestly kind of lost left all my friends left like an established family you get like a sponsor family at the academy and then when i came home i was like well i'm back with my family but i don't know what my purpose is and so at that point dane was really heavily into personal development reading books from all the top guys at the time who are pretty much still the top guys now so he kind of drove me into the path of learning about myself learning how to better myself my mindset and then getting the idea of well maybe like 
doing a business could be a way where we could, you know, add some purpose into our life. Yeah. And so that was just the beginning, but it was never really like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. It was really just trying to figure out something, which now I look back was a bad idea, which was what is my purpose? And I'm going to find it because it actually was not a good idea trying to determine what my singular purpose was. Right. I believe that's a thing. Yeah. Anymore, at least. Totally. I think that's something I struggled with too in the beginning in regards to, I got to have some grand purpose where, you know, now that I'm older and been growing in my relationship with God and do a lot of stuff with faith and ministry, your purpose, at least for me, really comes from the word, which is to please God with your life, yield your life to him, do things that serve and honor him and get you to build a relationship with him. And then second to that, because that's what it says in, in the word, is to love your neighbor like you love yourself. So use your God-given gifts or whatever skills you develop to serve people. And from that, it's a lot easier to do stuff in this world where you feel like you're contributing because we believe in God and we believe God has a plan for our life and that will be revealed and unfolded as we spend time with him, reading his word, and second to that, serving, loving, and helping people, which is what you were doing. So I, I completely agree with you on the, there isn't some singular purpose I have to chase after. And that's such a big thing in the personal development space. I know. <laughs> Let me ask you this. At this point in your life, you've been doing a lot of amazing things and it's amazing to see you grow in your relationship with God, in your professional development in the form of business. How do you think about purpose now from your own perspective and what you've learned? Yeah, I was going to get into that. I think initially it was, I have a singular purpose. I have to find it. Yeah. And I remember praying to God like, why don't I know what this is? And it honestly drove me a, a bit crazy because I was like, I can't figure this out. Yeah. And it made me feel depressed because like, shouldn't I just understand this? And when you read these personal development books, it seems like they have it figured out. <laughs> so then you feel a little bit lost. But now that I've gone through the gambit of that and spent some time like really learning about myself, I've honed it down to something like very simple. And I heard Tony talk about this because people were saying, I don't know what my purpose is. And I've tone it down to just making progress, right? That, that mm. is my purpose because multiple, you can have multiple purposes, but it's making progress is the general idea. And then it spans across every area of my life, right? Yeah. Either it's my walk with God or my relationships, my family, my business, et cetera. It just simplifies everything knowing it's never going to go in one direction. There can't be one singular purpose. It's multiple areas, but the singular focus is making progress. If I'm making progress, I feel successful. And that's like my idea behind it now. It calms my mind. <laughs> I was going to say, I really like that because you're not searching and searching, trying to find something that's supposed to be extravagant. My life is to do this and to help these people. It's like, I just want to make progress. I want to make progress in my relationship with God. I want to make progress in the career that I've been blessed with. I want to make progress in my relationships. That's what I focus on. Yeah. And that makes it gives yourself grace. I and I think about my purpose, it's to serve God, please God with my life and use whatever God gave me in the form of gifts to make progress, like you were saying, to serve people. So you get to do that every day. And I absolutely love that. And thank you for sharing. I want to ask you about, because we were so close when you started to get into business and you were reading books like I was, and I was really encouraging you to do that. And even the fitness stuff was amazing to see you transform your body at that time. Cause I was in the fitness space at that time, but 
when did you start to see me acting up in regards to mental health? Was there a specific moment or not even a specific moment, just something's a little off with Dane? Yeah. Well, so it's a little bit of a blur now. I know the general idea because it happened over over 10 years now, maybe yeah. the, about 10 years when it started. But um, I remember seeing Dane when we used to live at this house that's actually nearby this office. And he'd come downstairs. He'd be sitting on the couch with my mom and telling her about all these amazing things he's working on. And he would talk to her for an hour straight, nonstop, just constant really excited like almost too excited about these like opportunities and things that are just going on and it all seemed normal because he was in a personal development i'm going to grow i'm going to build this business i'm going to change everyone's life i'm going to make xyz happen like this is awesome but what i didn't realize is that was like the onset of something way worse which was you initially become manic and so that was the starting stage of mania which we had no experience with i had no experience with so we just thought it was normal and it wasn't until we realized it was really just like a breaking point, right? Where one day, and I could be missing over some details, but Dane just left. He was one morning, he just like got up and left. And we're like, where is he? And he drove off to, this is before he did something. He drove off to, I think like fries or some place where he was just like drinking at a bar and just doing things he normally doesn't do and just was non-responsive we tried calling him he wasn't answering and we're like okay well we need to keep an eye on him because now he's becoming a little bit unpredictable in his behavior yeah. and he's not acting and crazy he's just becoming very unpredictable which is not who dane is he's very certain you know what he's gonna do he, he always has a plan for his day and then eventually one morning when we were kind of trying to keep an eye on him he got up at like 5 a.m took the car and left i'm pretty sure without his id or his phone and his whole plan was, I'm going to go to California to become an actor. <laughs> I think that was the idea. And so we were freaking out because, like, where did Dane go? And it wasn't until we got a call that he got pulled over on the freeway and he got uh, the cops picked him up. Pretty much what happened is he was driving on the freeway, pulled over, and got out of the car and just started running. And he was holding, actually, my Bible in his hands as he was running down the freeway. People called the cops. The cops found him. Luckily, he didn't get shot because, you know, you hear crazy stories like that. But uh, anyways, he got picked up. They took him. I'm pretty sure they took him to, like, the hospital or something because he was acting like crazy. And eventually, he got put into a, um, I don't know the right word for it. Mental health hospital. Yeah, mental health hospital where they had to just keep an eye on him because unpredictable behavior, mania. It's crazy. And uh, through that all, it, it was just it went from zero to 1000% so fast and like no one was prepared for it. No one expected it. And you went from like this guy who's so excited, like so passionate about like taking on the world to like, now you're in a mental health hospital. Right. And we're praying for you. And literally it sounds like there's no way out of it. Cause you're just, you're not even there. Your mind is gone. It's crazy. Yeah. And I just remember like Arian, our cousin, who's a pastor praying for you and all of us just showing up and you telling us these crazy things. How I'm like, I'm pretending I'm a pterodactyl, like screaming and people are like scared of me. And it's like, it was wild. And um, long story short, he eventually came out. They gave him a bunch of drugs to, I, I guess, fix it. And through the grace of God and praying and believing, 
after what, like three, four weeks or maybe a month, he was off all the drugs, completely healed. And it was a complete transformation. Like if you would have saw him then till now, complete different person. It was insane. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective because you summed up a lot of things in a pretty, you do still remember a lot of things. And yeah. a couple of things on that one, when I did leave that first time, if you do remember this, remember during this time, I said at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm not going to drink at all. And I didn't drink that much. I would drink from time to time with friends, but I was like, I'm not going to drink at all. So during that six month period in that buildup, I was not drinking or anything. There was nothing in my system when that happened. I just wanted to clarify that. And then, yeah. uh, with what you were saying too, in regards to all of the speed at which things happened and how I was certain about so much. Cause that was me. I was very certain I had goals. I, I had dreams and I was working on things and I wanted to involve the whole family and get everyone excited about things. But then you saw that in my opinion, it was that demonic oppression come into yeah. my mind and start twisting things and making me seem different. Cause did you notice my personality change? I wanted to ask you that. Yeah. I mean, when you say personality, like what specifically about just it? in regards to who I was and how I like hung out with you guys and talked to you guys and my demeanor. Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, it, it almost seemed like the demon possessed you because you would make these. I just remember one time, this is 2015, and I'm not sure if this was after you came back or not from the mental hospital. I could be messing up the timeline here, but you were talking to our sister, Danielle. And you were asking her about why aren't you an actor yet? Or why aren't you going out to become an actor? And she's trying to talk to you and you're just making these weird noises, laughing, acting weird, just doing things like if you knew Dane from the start, like he just doesn't do like completely possessed by just alternate personality demon taking over your body. And it was scary. Yeah. And it was almost like even before that, it was almost like, how do we fix this? Or like, right. What do we do? <laughs> like, yeah. It was it was wild because when you were witnessing all this stuff because do you remember too i thought people were following me cameras in the house all of that yeah. and that was maybe early on before the other house that some of that stuff was happening with danielle did you what did you think in your mind in regards to outside of how are we going to fix this did you think i was going to get better or what was your level of faith around how is this going to go? Is this going to be the future? What I'm just curious on processing because everyone's different. Even with you saying, "Yeah, I want to be an actor," and I'm going to L in L.A. or Hollywood. That's what I remember saying. And then Mom was saying when we had our conversation, "You wanted to be a preacher." So it's interesting hearing everyone's perspective. But mania is crazy. You think yeah. all these things. Yeah. So what were what were you thinking when all of those things were happening in the house? I think it's like a cycle, right? Initially, I was. And, oh, this is cool. Like, he's excited about life. Then it was more like, okay, well, maybe something's wrong because now he's acting a little bit differently. And now I'm starting to, like, question, like, is something up, up with Dane? Is, like, is he okay? Yeah. And then when the more intense situations happen, when you would leave and not tell anyone and then not show up, it's like, okay, well, there's something's wrong. Yeah. Like, I think back then, like, in terms of my beliefs, like, is God going to heal Dane? I was still pretty young in, like, my yeah. walk with God. and. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was mm -hmm. honestly like, I felt 
everyone was, was in a really weird spot in our family. Yeah. So like, so our dad, not a strong believer, but he stands by my mom. Mom's a strong believer, but at that time, Ross, our other brother, wasn't doing well in terms of his addictions in life. Yeah. Danielle was kind of like checked out, trying to figure her life out. I'm here, like witnessing all this. And then dad is not really a believer. And he's just pretending like everything's okay. And so it almost felt like my mom had to carry the burden if yeah. he wasn't ready for it. And then I was sitting there like, well, everyone's kind of like out of their mind. Like, you know, my, my solution was no solution. My, my action was inaction. I was like, mm. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to see what happens and that was not the right approach yeah and it led to obviously some crazy events where you ran on the freeway yeah and eventually it was almost like i was more relying on other people to like yeah give me the answers in that situation i re i understand though where you're coming from because what are you supposed to do when you don't know what's going on yeah there are horror stories of families kicking out their kids because they think they're on drugs when stuff like this happens. So to know, even though I was not in a mental place where I understood what was going on, you guys just being there and not kicking me out or condemning me or anything, just being there to be like, we need to make sure he's okay, was so helpful. And I totally agree with you. Mom was the foundation of trying to figure out what was to do. And she just leaned on to God most and prayed and laid her hands on me too at times to be like, in the name of Jesus, whatever this thing is needs yeah. to go. Did you, when you were witnessing all this happening, did you see certain things about mom's behavior change in regards to just being strong in her faith? Or what did you witness from that, from what you can remember, of course? I think she almost felt a little bit overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Like this was something she's never faced before. Yeah. And she really had to lean on her faith and God to figure it out for her. Yeah. Obviously, like sowing seeds and praying and trying to get the right people around you, keeping an eye on you, doing things that are going to keep you protected, you know, making sure you don't leave, et cetera. But she really had to lean on her faith because yeah. it seemed like at the time there wasn't a lot of faith in the household. Yeah. Very demonic. Yeah, we had more than one sibling who was getting controlled by some sort of demon possession. Yeah, be drugs. Yeah, or you know, mania. Yeah, and then for me, I was just trying to. I guess my type of action was trying to like go to go and help you. Go to try to find you when you left. Like yeah, just trying to take action to help you in those places. But my faith wasn't strong enough to like support mom. Yeah, I almost felt like she was almost at a loss too. Yeah, because it was just so much. She almost felt like her household was crumbling. I mean, it's so funny you say that because from what I can remember too, within the mania, it was so chaotic in our home and I made it 10 times worse. Like yeah. think about some of the things that I did in regards to just acting weird, even when you were talking about Danielle, making weird noises. Like, do, do you remember my mannerisms in terms of how I walked and moved changed? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? There was doing? a time when I was, when you were talking to Danielle, where you would pick up, I think it was like a putting iron and you were like, I'm an old man. And then you start like limping and acting like an old man for like five minutes. Right. Like, this guy's this, what do you think when this is going up. on? Like, this is my brother who I was like seeing all these things happen. And now he's like, again, maybe it's the, I can be an actor. Wait, say, say that again. No, I said it was sad. 
Yeah. Because I, it was like, you made all this progress, you got in the best shape of your life, and then boom, it's all gone instantly. Yeah. Not instantly, but over the course of like six months, complete transformation for the worst. Yeah. And I was, I was sad because everyone was struggling. Yeah. It's know? like, we're all struggling. We don't know what we're going through. And now we have to deal with this guy. <laughs> like, and I was just trying to figure out like, well, what do I want to do with my life? And then yeah. all this stuff happened. So I was like, well, shoot, this is making it way more complicated. But obviously this was the important thing to yeah. try to figure out and help you through it. And I appreciate you so much because I feel like you took on a role that mom did too, more than anyone else, which was, which was protector. Meaning you were trying your best with what you knew and observing all of the craziness that went on to find me when I was gone or because that I think is a huge part about you and your character is you want to protect the people you love. And that was something you always did during that time, which I really appreciate. And I can only imagine not only kind of feeling sad for me because of what we were doing and all the progress that was being made, all that being stripped away. And then you probably felt like, I don't know. I can't help him. You know, there was one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. When you left the house and you drove to California, but then pulled over on the freeway and started running, you were holding my Bible, right? You were mm -hmm. holding it while running for some reason. When the cops pulled you over, you actually dropped it. Yeah. And they took you away and the Bible was lost essentially. Yeah. But then someone from ADOT reached out to me like six, eight months later. And he's like, hey, I found this Bible on the freeway when I was wow. working. I have it at my house. Come by. So I came by like a month later, and he actually gave me the Bible, prayed for me. Really? I still have, yeah, I still have the Bible to this day. And I was like, there, I mean, come on. If you didn't have that Bible with you, would you have got shot? Would something worse happen? Like, yeah. Would you got hit by a car when you're running right. through it? And I just feel like there's got to be something there where God was protecting you. and. A hundred percent. The fact that I got the Bible back and the guy who gave it to me was a strong Christian, prayed for me. It was just like, I don't know, it just felt right. It's kind of like a reminder from the Lord to be saying like, I got you, like everything's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of your family and what's happened to your brother. We're going to get him through this. Because I probably at that time, after the fact, was when the healing had taken place. But still, I remember feeling really bad because you were, you said, why did you take my Bible? You lost my Bible. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And I felt really bad. And yeah, it's been like just two years that thing was gone. Really? Yeah. It was a long time though. I remember yeah. that too. And I remember from what I can remember, it's like the little things. Because even though I was so far gone, there was still my faith in it, no matter how small, like holding on to that Bible. And even when I was in the hospital and I was so scared and fearful and there was so much just demonic activity and oppression going on. Like there was still evidence of God being there, even though I felt like he had left me and abandoned me. And it was really scary and dark. And just even hearing you talk about when we would visit you in the hospital and you would say these pterodactyl voices, like it was so crazy. And like I, I told imagine actually living there for a week and a half, two weeks, or however long. Because everyone's going through something in I there know. too. So it was really tough, but there was something that happened to me in that hospital that I still can only put pieces together from. And whether it was an angel or, but from what I can remember, someone came to my room and they like sat with me and they gave me a Bible and they told me to read Psalms 23. 
And they just said, just read this and pray this over your life. And I remember doing that and highlighting it and reading it. And right after I did that, even in that hospital, there was an overwhelming sense of just peace to be like, you're going to be okay. Like, I know this is a lot. And I know I was telling you guys, I need to get out of here. Like, I need to leave, right? Probably sure you saw that fear and like, just Dane's not some like fearful person. Why is he acting like this? But that Bible, I never found it again. And I bought one that looked just like it four months ago. And I bring it home to mom. Well, I bring it to the house to show her that I got this new Bible. This was like four months ago at their house. I remember this. Yeah. And I show her the Bible and I said, hey, I, got, I just got this new Bible. I, I wanted this style. It's a little bit lighter, easier to travel with. And she goes, we, I think, already have one of those. And she goes up and pulls the Bible out. And it is that Bible from the hospital. Yeah. And what it says when you open it up is mystery Bible. That's what I wrote in it at the time because I didn't know what was going That's on. Crazy. And that, that Psalms 23 verse was highlighted. And I said, wow, I get this back now after oh, oh, uh, 10 years. Yeah. I'm not seeing this. But it was a reminder to me from God to be like, I was with you during that in every single moment, even though you didn't feel like I was, I had you. And this is a reminder that, to remember that I was there in that moment. Mm -hmm. It was super powerful, but just, yeah, the chaos that went, that went on in the family and even, do you remember some of the conversations I would have with you? Cause you, I know you mentioned me talking to mom really fast for an hour. Do I don't you, remember our conversations. The one thing I wanted to mention though, that stuck with me for a while is after everything happened, you got out of the hospital, you got the drugs, the doctor saying, this is something he's going to live with for the rest of his life. And it could reactivate. So always for a while in the back of my head, I was like, so this could just happen again. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But at this point, like, I don't believe that will ever happen again. Yeah. Because God completely turned that whole thing upside down. Right. Completely wiped it. Demonic depression gone. Mm -hmm. And your faith is so strong that even if it tried to come back, it couldn't. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with that because I didn't understand my authority. The Bible talks to us about understanding our authority. We have authority over the enemy to step on snakes and serpents and they won't hurt us, right? They won't harm us. So when that oppression came, I opened the door and from where I was at in that and being open to learning and growing, I let it in and I was more curious than standing firm in my faith to rebuke it. So it came and it just got worse and worse. And instead of operating in a place of faith to speak against it, like mom would always talk to us about, I was scared and it got worse and worse and it manifested itself into this delusion and mania. And I, I believe from my personal experience, it was an attack from the enemy on how my brain already worked. Because I'm sure you knew from when you came back I was like this. I was excited. I was this and that. And I think the enemy attacks us in places where God gifts us to twist and manipulate, counterfeit, and almost try to destroy, yeah. right? And that's, I think, what happened. And then he healed me. And do, do you remember? I want to ask you this, and I want to go back to that other point. Do you remember when I was telling mom, I feel like everything's gone, like my mind and how I felt in my head? Do you remember me talking about that at all? Like you felt... Like I just wasn't smart anymore or. Oh yeah. So I was going to make a mention on that when you were saying that 
the other half of mania is depression. It's called manic depressant. And I remember after everything went down, you fell in a slump of depression where, like you said, I feel like my mind's gone. Mm -hmm. Zero motivation. Like everything just reset. Yeah. I think I remember you talked about how like you built up your body through your fitness goals and that was just completely wiped out. Yeah. You were super upset about it. Yeah. Everything just kind of reset back to zero. And do you remember with the medication, I gained like 20 pounds within a month? Yeah. I didn't know I was 20, but yeah. Yeah, I was 20 because the medication, one of them that I was taking, they were like, yeah, the this is going to like ruin your blood sugar. So you're just going to have all like cravings and it's going to be all messed up. And gosh, just even getting out of the hospital, I wasn't normal when I got back. Do you remember that? The healing hadn't occurred because the healing yeah. would take place a few weeks later. But do you remember when I got back? I was still, because mom talked about this too, but do you, do you remember when I got back, I was still weird? Vaguely. Okay. But I know, I know the way you would talk. You, you actually made some videos when you were still like post yeah. everything happening and like your expressions on your face were very just like ugh, nothing. Yeah. And you were like talking about all these things you were going to do. Yeah. And your like motivation was gone. That's what I remember. Yeah. A lot of it's still documented. Yeah. On some like old videos. Yeah. And it was, yeah. I can yeah, I completely agree with that too. In the forms of, I was in more of a depression state. I would say it's a little different than manic depression because bipolar is categorized into two types, okay. one and two. But I feel I was in that depressive, non-motivated state because I was medicated with three medications that made me feel completely useless. Probably just numbs your yeah. To get manic, right? And at that time too, I felt. Because what happens when you're manic is your brain is firing so fast and there's an imbalance in your brain. And because of that imbalance in your brain, the doctor told me your brain is destroying itself. And because it's destroying itself, every time you go through one of these things, your IQ is lowered. Your mental and emotional stamina and fitness is hurt by it. So when he told me that and I got out of the hospital and they were on the medications, I felt like everything was gone. And that's what I was telling to mom. And you witnessed that in the forms of why isn't this guy doing anything? He's sitting on the couch. He's not reading. He's not doing. It was a really, that was more hard for me to deal with than the diagnosis of being, of having bipolar disorder. Cause yeah. in my mind, after mom, just being in my ear saying, you're going to be healed. God is going to heal you. I made my mind up about that. I had a harder time dealing with how my brain was working. Cause I said, how am I going to fix this? This isn't right, Lord. I don't, I, you gifted me in an area, but then after that healing occurred, all of that mind and how my mind worked really came back. And I'm sure you've seen that too, from all the good times we had before it, the crash and the Im immense amount of darkness. And then to where we're at today, cause I'd love to know what you think about how you think I am today in regards to mind and just because I'm still loud, outgoing, excited. And some people might be like, oh, is that like how he was? But yeah. I'd love for your opinion on that from someone who would ask you, how is Dane? How was he then versus how you see him now? And how can you see if there's a difference? Because I'm sure people have thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you go through it once, you think, well, can it happen again? Right. Yeah. Even though God has completely healed you. But there has been times in the past where you know, I'm human every every once in a while, like, you're getting super excited about something or like you're working on this project and you act 
a little bit too excited. I'm like, well, could this be the onset of something? I'm not saying it's going to be, but yeah. if it's for a prolonged period of time, I could think in the back of my head, well, is there something there where you could get like too excited? But generally speaking, like from where you were to where you are now, it's you pretty much took the Dane you initially built and then you reset it and you got back there, but now you're way beyond it. Yeah. And now that your faith is so much stronger mm. and you've incorporated God in everything you do, it completely like it completely changed what your trajectory of your career, your relationships, the people you've met, yeah. the way you act, your you know, just everything across the board. So I think you know, the the part of me that thinks like, yeah, could it happen again? Maybe is in the back of my mind, but it's such a small portion. I just don't think it would ever come up unless. Yeah. And I think, and I'm glad you said that too, because I think the enemy will still whisper in the ears of the ones around you yeah. who were there to witness what initially happened to you, mm -hmm. because I'm sure that happens to mom and dad when they see or witness something that sounds a little out of order. It's the enemy going up. Is it going to come back? Because that's happened. Yeah, it's so true. That's happened to me too. That's really the only attack from the enemy from that darkness I went through that has occurred a few times each year throughout the last 10 years is the enemy trying to come into my head to go, what if it comes back? I'm going to like, you're not healed or stuff like that. And then I got to just fight back against those things, rebuke them in the name of Jesus. But the thing that you said is I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm covered by his favor and understanding my authority. So when that thing comes, I know how to say, no, this is who I am. It's been 10 years. Nothing has ever happened to me. Nothing ever will because I was healed. So you're totally right to think because is that your thinking? No, it's a lie that's whispered in your ear to go, maybe it could because that's happened to mom two within the last 10 years of she's had those moments where, yeah, I was excited. And she goes, Dane, you're okay. And it's like, <laughs> mom, what's, I'm just excited about something. Right. So a hundred percent, that's normal. Yeah. That's a good point. It's definitely the enemy just whispering your ear, yes. telling you these lies. Right. So, cause if he can't get to you, he's going to try to get to you through others. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or get other people to get you in your own thinking of, Hey, you okay? Slow yeah, now down. We start influencing you to think something's wrong versus just yourself. Yeah. So. But I think you've been so great and gracious in regards to seeing me in moments where that whisper comes and not going, Hey, Dane, and really trying to voice that voice to me. You've just sat with it and kind of like how you did initially, you just were observing and you're like, I'm here. You didn't really say much, which I really respect. Because even in those micro moments with dad, seeing me, and this is in the last eight years at some point where he would make a comment or something about my behavior. And I'd sit there and I'd say, you know, I wouldn't fight back, but in my mind, I'm, uh, I'm thinking, why are you giving power to something like this? Why are you trying to confirm something that has been done and completed? And I get he's a, they're looking out for me, just like you are as well, too. So that's been interesting, but that's been really the only thing that the enemy has done in my life is just try to whisper once or twice throughout the year when I'm, when there's a lot of cool things going on and it's hard yeah. not to be excited to go, Hey, this is going to come back. And then I'm like, no, it's not. And this is why, and this is what I believe. And this is what God and Jesus has done. So it's, it's made you way stronger. Yeah. And like you said too, which I'm glad that you pointed out, 
God has kind of covered me because now he's involved in my entire career in life, meaning he called me eventually to share my faith. Why did that happen? You Would you have ever thought I would be doing something like I'm doing today? Right? And what? Yeah. What, what did you think when I started doing this? I'm just curious. I felt Dane was motivated to talk about more entrepreneurial things, more personal development, because he got really deep into reading all the books, learning how to like change his mind, change his state, et cetera, et cetera. And he felt like there was power behind that. That's what he wanted to talk about. And then eventually he's just started talking a little bit about his faith here and there. And it just seemed like through the engagement of talking about faith versus talking about personal development, it was completely leaning towards faith. Yeah. So we just decided to go down that route. And I think that was the best thing for him. Yeah. Completely transformed your whole entire career. And to answer your question, no, I didn't think you were going to do that. But who cares if that's not what you wanted to do? It's what you're doing now. And it's yeah. blessed you completely. Yeah, totally. And it's been so fun because even when God started saying he wanted me to do more and more, you were there to help me because people wanted to support and, you know, support different, the way in which God helped me understand that this could be a path where I could pursue this as a career is when people, even on TikTok, asked me, hey, can we support you? And then I had this idea, and I remember talking to you about it too, saying, maybe this could be a career path. I don't know how. I don't make any money from this, and I'm just on TikTok sharing prayers and stuff, but maybe it can be a path, and maybe that's something God will eventually do in the future is call me into this full time. And you were there to say, hey, yeah, let's, I'll help you. And we can develop a book or something that we can put in the hands of the people who want to support you. And that started so small. And I think you know that too. The first two years of me sharing my faith, we were reaching people and stuff, but it's not like overnight I'm making all of this money and all of this other stuff. It was never about that. But you were there as a form of support to say, hey, let me help you. And you helped me set up the e-commerce store so we could have something and get something into someone's hands where it's devotionals and prayers. And that started to create a place for then God to say, what was it two years in to say, I want you to leave your job behind and trust me. Because when I left my job behind, that was a hard decision too. How do you think about witnessing me go through that process of doing it, not making a ton of money from it because it wasn't about the money. It was just God opening up a door to say, Hey, maybe there's a way for me to do this with you full time. And I'm going to show you how to do it, but do you believe it? And how did you think about that when I made the transition to step into a full-time? Because you know I was not making a lot of money. I'm not still making a lot of money today doing this. You know, It's yeah. still so new, but it's given me the ability to do it at least full-time to this point. Um, how did you think about that, those transitions? Yeah, I think, I think it shows when you look at it across the board from the start till now where your passion actually lied. Because if it was about the money initially, it would have never lasted. Yeah. Because anyone is passionate about anything it takes time to build it up no matter what it is so i think it took a ton of courage you had to leave a very like a very nice six-figure paying great job yeah to pursue something that essentially started at zero dollars a month i mean anyone looking at it logically would say that's stupid but you had a bigger vision yeah. of where you wanted to go and you wanted to be backed by your faith and you wanted to stick with that and it has never been a, a linear path to the top. It's been very zigzag, up and down. We've seen great success and lots of failure along the way. 
But when you look at the trajectory, it's been slowly up, which is great. And the amount of people you've met, the network you start, you've started to build is like tremendous. Like, I don't yeah. think it would have been even close to this if you would have went down a different route. Yeah. I think God has blessed you, brought all these people that you never thought mm -hmm. would be part of your life, into your life through the most you know, absurd ways where you met a guy in a, in a cab or an Uber yeah. who now is a close friend who's led you to other opportunities. Yeah. It's just really interesting to see how it went. But initially, of course, like, well, is it the right move? We'll see. And of course, it's been the right move ever since. Yeah. And just being able to kind of come back to what, what you were saying too, God's just getting to be involved in what I do. And I think that's also a form of his hedge of protection yeah. because I think one of the biggest benefits of being a Christian content creator is I get to be in my faith all day. So I get to be reminded of who I am. So when the enemy comes to tell me something I'm not, I'm ready and I'm protected and yeah. all of those other things. So those have been such, such benefits. And just to see you support it along with mom, along with even dad now and everyone, even grandpa, you know, everyone had their opinions when I decided to leave because it wasn't, it wasn't something that was going to sustain my life when I left. And God really asked me to take a leap of faith and trust him. And that first year was hard. I also want you to share briefly because a lot of people see me doing content and they're like, wow, Dane, you're always this, you're always that. But I've had periods of like ups and downs through making content because I think everyone gets burned out to a point when you're showing up and making so much content. So maybe you can talk about just shortly a little bit of the behind the scenes that people don't see that I do or what it what is involved in this and how you've seen me kind of go through periods where it's like, this is a lot. And I see Dane's like, kind of not as excited yeah, because he's yeah that. just like i'd love for you to share that yeah well first of all you're on your phone like 24 7. that's just if you're creating content you're always uploading you're always looking at the screen you're always on your computer and you're managing a lot i think what people don't see is the interactions of people who need help coming to you so imagine you make a video that gets a million views well, let's say 5% of those people decide to reach out to you because they're like, well, I had mental health issues. Yeah. Could you give me support? And so do that times four videos a day times, you know, 30 days. And you have a constant stream of not only people coming and asking you for help, but then everything else that is involved in the business. So it becomes a lot for Dane. It becomes, you know, the words overwhelming because just imagine hundreds of hundreds of people almost on a daily basis who probably go through similar issues asking okay. for help and you want to help them all but it's only so scalable yeah. so sometimes that coupled with making con content constantly and doing that for 80 days 100 days 150 days in a row eventually your brain's like oh, i need a break yeah. so there's been points where i've seen dane go from like hyper active working hard grinding every day to there's a period of potentially like two months where he's completely slowed down gone to like one video a day or just recreated content that already existed to just get his brain to try to reset a bit yeah where he's just not you could say not working as hard but just really needs like a little bit of time to himself yeah where if the it only gets bigger the more videos he produces the more people that reach out so really i think the the goal for you is just to get like a team in place which could help like scale it up because I couldn't do that all by myself and 
at some point it just becomes a little bit too much from my perspective. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think people get this perception that when you're on social media and you're reaching people and making a difference, which is great. That's what we want people to do. We want people to experience is that, you know, God is so good and there's power in prayer and faith, hope, encouragement in the message. And then kind of learning to go through that experience where for a year and a half or maybe even two years, I responded to every comment and every DM. Mm -hmm. I would pray for people for two hours on voice message back and forth, up and down the halls in the apartment. And it was so much. And I felt like there was this burden on me when at the end of the day, God helped convict me of saying, you are not responsible for every person who's reaching out to you. Yes, you can pray for them, but I asked you to share your faith. I did not ask you to do this. And it convicted me to say, okay, I'll do what I can. And that's still what I do today is I'm still active and responding to people. It's just a lot less, mm -hmm. but I still do it. It's just not every single person needs a response right now. Because yeah. even with Facebook and all these other platforms that we added, there's so many more people reaching out. It's like, like you said, how do you build a team or how do you build infrastructure and tools to point people to solutions for them to get help? Because I'm not a mental health counselor. Yeah. I'm not licensed in that. All I know I can do is I can pray for someone. And if I have a resource for them to point them to, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So that was really burdensome for a while. And I think we've gotten to a place now where there's grace on it because I don't feel the responsibility and obligation to say, I've got to answer everyone, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So last couple of questions I want to ask you. One, if you were to sit down with someone who's in your position, they're a brother, or you're maybe even talking to a woman in a family who they're going through this right now with a family member. They are witnessing a family member who is struggling in their mental health. Maybe they're experiencing some demonic oppression, whatever it might be. What would be, what would you share with them from what you learned and how you would maybe do things? Yeah, I think like I said before, I think the worst action is inaction, doing nothing, yeah. feeling like you're hopeless because there's there's got to be a way through it, right? So I think even if you don't have strong faith, even if you don't know what to do at the time, you just have to do something, right? You just have to either be there for them, like sit next to them, make sure you're keeping an eye on them, like something where you feel like you're making a difference to a positive difference to help change it. I also think it's important to now looking back, if I would have known or had an idea of like, how does this develop? We could have potentially fixed it before it even became a huge problem Yeah. or known like, okay, it's going to go from him just talking quickly to him, just making these like ridiculous actions and not telling anyone just leaving. So if we had an idea of how it would go zero to hundred that quickly, we could have helped it. So going off that note, I think finding someone or learning more about it now sets you up for like if you were dealing with it in the future but if you're dealing with it right now the best thing in my opinion is to try to take some action don't feel like you're helpless and try to talk to people who've gone through it because they might be able to help you see what could come and help fix it and potentially nip it in the butt before it becomes a big thing but it's all it's also tough it's very right individual and everyone's gonna have different experiences yeah i love that last question through going through this experience, how has your relationship with God or even your understanding of who he is and what he does, how has that changed or has it changed or 
I'd love for you to explain that to our listeners, just to be from where you were with me going on to where you are at today in regards of your relationship with God. How has that changed from this, if in any way that it has? Yeah. I think my relationship with God initially was always, the foundation was going to church because our mom, our grandma told us, and that was like the extent of it. And as I've grown up, I'm 31 now, but let's say starting back when I was 21, when Dane was going through this, it was a lot of questioning God, why is this happening? Mm. If we're Christians, like, shouldn't there be a way to fix this immediately? Like, shouldn't there be answers? And then personally figuring out like, well, what is my purpose? How do I figure that out? And asking God and not really getting clear answers and kind of struggling with it. And I think as I've grown up, my relationship with God has kind of been like, not a super linear path there's been times where i'm like well why is this so difficult or like why don't i know these answers or how do i how do i feel like i'm getting closer to god and what do i need to do to get closer to god or glorify his name and i just think what's been important for me is to continually have a a, just a certain just certain actions in place where i'm going to continue to go to church continue to pray continue to read my bible continue to try to grow in my relationship with him because I know that's the right thing to do. And Mm -hmm. even if I don't fully understand like, okay, well, what does my relation with God mean exactly at this time? Like I have faith. So you need to have faith that you're making the right direction. So one thing I do every day is like when I'm writing my journal, I just pray to God that like continue to guide me down the path you want me to go down to. Yeah. Because initially it was help me figure out my purpose, but now it's like, my purpose is to make progress and help me go down that path. And I know you're making me walk down the path that might not be straight, but even if I take a zig or a zag, eventually the trajectory's down the path he wants me to go down. And that's what kind of grounds me and makes me feel like I am doing what he wants me to do. Totally. And I would just continue to encourage you because I know we live together as well too. And I'm never one to just, try to put all these rules and things on you to say, you need to be like me because you don't, we're different. Just to continue to encourage you to, you know, dive into the word and, you know, develop that Bible study and that Bible practice for yourself because he will continue to speak to you through it. And it's just been amazing to see him work in your life because things have been hard in our family for years and years and years. Everyone, you know what I mean? Not just like you and me, we've gone through a lot as well as all the other siblings and our parents. And I'm seeing God move in your life so much and and what he's doing with me and what he's doing with the other siblings and with mom. And it's amazing. And just to continue to seek him and seek him with all your heart, like it says in the word, you know, developing that Bible study and continuing to pray like you're doing and getting around other believers. You've always been big on getting into the house of the Lord, which is so important. But I'm just excited to see what he continues to do in your life because I think he's just getting started. This is going to be a decade in your 30s of massive progress, in your purpose, but also massive progress in you getting to know him more. Yeah. You know? So I appreciate, bro, that you uh, took some time to come on here. And I think this conversation is going to help provide another perspective from someone who is in a situation where they're in a, where they're a sibling going through whether it's mental health or any type of challenge within the family. So thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Of course.